Welcome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV, Channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter Live. I am Andrew Romanello. We will be joined very, very shortly by my brother, Rocky Romanello. We remind you that you can get the show wherever, wherever you're on social media. Just search... At Wide World of Rome. And of course, if you miss any part of the show or you just enjoy the show so much, you need to tell all your friends and you need them to listen to the show, get the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also at Wide World of Rome or the Rome Show podcast. We now welcome in the other Romanella associated with this show, the Rocky number one variety, Rocky Super Bowl morning. The Rams are victorious. Give us your initial feelings. Because the Bengals, unfortunately, or the Rams, I should say, kept Evan McPherson on the sidelines. They don't let him tie the game. So, But I, I thought it was a great Super Bowl all in all. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> and I, uh, there was, so there were some interesting, uh, banana probabilities out there as everybody knows, right? The Super Bowl, some of the most money, um, I think in sports wagering is put on the Super Bowl, Rocky. And one of them that I had seen prior to the game starting, and we'll get into a few of them throughout the show, but was about Evan McPherson. And it was that he would kick a game tying or a go-ahead field goal as the last play of regular season, or excuse me, on the last play of uh, regulation, and it was like plus 9,000 odds. And I'm sitting here, and because you know, Rock, right, like how many people are putting so such crazy amounts of fruits on some of these props? It's like there's no doubt in my mind there was probably like a million people almost like licking their chops when the Rams scored. Like, okay, here we go. Mc, McPherson coming down. And, and I don't know about you, but the whole time the Bengals – the whole time from the moment the Rams kicked the the, the extra point to make it 23-20 until really Joe Burrow almost completed the pass on fourth and one with Aaron Donald in his face. Rock, I really thought the Bengals were going to come back and tie that game. I, there was no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I thought they were going to at least have a chance to kick. I was surprised that after they after they got the first down, they looked a little they looked a little like okay, we got our first down, we're on the 50. And it took them about, like, I remember looking at, man, that's taking a lot of time to get this playoff. Um, and then they had a bad play there on second down. They incomplete it. Or, or I guess they got up to third and second and one, and then it took them a while. So um, then they got stopped on the inside handoff. So I, it, it's interesting. Like, after the beginning of the second half, you, you almost felt like, the Bengals are winning this game. It's just a matter of time. And they almost started playing as if there was only five minutes remaining in the game. And it was almost like a little, it wasn't anticlimactic, but like the defenses were the spotlight. I thought the entire game. And so when you look at like the whole second half and how it went, that last drive and their inability to get McPherson the ball kind of like was like a microcosm of how the half went after they got off to such a hot start and after Burrow hurt his, hurt his ankle. Well, and that's there's so many things to dissect in this game, right? But I I do want to touch on right there. The forget the first half, right? Forget it, right? It doesn't matter what happened because at the end of the day, you come out in the second half and in two plays, Rocky, I think it was like 26 seconds, that 22 seconds. In 22 seconds, the Bengals score a touchdown 
on a blatant no call, by the way. We'll have to get into the officials in a little bit. But on a blatant no call, okay, on a face mask, fine. Then your fifth wide receiver, because Odell Beckham Jr. has since hurt his leg in the second quarter and is no longer playing the game, your like fifth wide receiver misses an op- as, as, as easy of a catchable ball in the National Football League as you've ever seen. And I'm not saying it's easy because I wouldn't catch it either. But for their standards, that ball should be caught. So now in two plays, 22 seconds, you've gone ahead by four points. And you've intercepted Matt Stafford for the second time this game. And to that point, Rocky, the whole defensive line, more specifically Aaron Donald, had been neutralized by Cincy. So at that point, with, I don't know, some 28 minutes remaining in that game, it wasn't a lock, obviously, right? Because it was a four-point lead. And these are two teams with two quarterbacks and a lot of players that were in their first Super Bowl or searching for their first Super Bowl. But... It was all trending for Cincinnati. And then all of a sudden, like it just came to a screeching halt. And that's where I have to give Sean McVay, uh, Raheem Morris, and and the staff from the Los Angeles Rams a lot of kudos because they clearly learned from their first Super Bowl, which was a 13-3 to loss to the Patriots, on how they can adjust their offense and how they can keep pushing forward even when you either lose pieces on offense or you're just not really clicking on all cylinders at that time. Yeah, I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with the play of the defense and the offense before we get into the refs because I have I have a few opinions on it, but I mean in in response to what you just said about giving credit to the defense and the scheme and the adjustments. How is Aaron Donald not the MVP? Um I I just I think that at the end of the day, Rock, you remove Aaron Donald from the scenario. Yeah, okay, he, he has two sacks and he ends the game, but you're not there without Cooper Cup because you lose Odell Beckham Jr., Matthew Stafford and that offense looked absolutely terrible, and essentially what he did was for that full 15-play drive, he said, I just got to find Cooper Cup. You think about how Cooper Cup's being guarded by the best cornerback in the league in Jalen Ramsey. It's got to be Cooper Cup. I, I get I get it for one drive. I get it for one drive. Two but touchdowns. The, 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 Two touchdowns. The Rams, the Rams defense had to stop the Bengals six times in the second half while they were down the entire second half. Right. So then you give. I mean, it's he, not Aaron, but Aaron Donald the, had a good game. But that, but with and you could probably go ninety different ways with this. And I don't want to spend an hour on this. But the defense, you said the defense. There were six different guys. It was like four different dudes had a sack. So you either give the defense the MVP or you give it to the guy that was the most important player on offense. I I, I just think it's I, I, and and by the way you can't it's it's not a wrong it's not wrong to give it to Cooper Cup like I get it I just it's hard for me to sit here and say Cooper Cup was the most valuable player because you can and that's the hardest thing about the MVP in in, in football because they always and that's why they, you typically see a quarterback getting it because. You know, Aaron, I mean, Cooper Cup's not on the field for half the game, and I would argue that the defensive play in the second half is why Cooper Cup even had a chance in the second half to make that to make that happen. Well, yeah, and, and but that's but that's I mean, like you could, and I think that's where you're getting dicey with your argument. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> it's football. The defense has to stop <laughs> no, them. I get so it. Off, you know, 
I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like and in theory, the, the, the offense and Cooper Cup had to come back because the defense gave up one play, seventy-five yards on the first play of the second half, and went from leading at halftime to down by four points. So you know, like it. Yeah. You're not wrong though on your on your point, but continue. Speaking of speaking of the the the, the play of the the Rams defense, the Jalen Ramsey thing, definitely a penalty, but. The refs got the Bengals back. They didn't need to get them back four times. They got them back once. But that's my problem. And so this is my issue, and it's not what you said. It's just that it's the fact of the matter, and you're right. It's exactly what happened. That shouldn't even be a thing. <laughs> like, just call the game the ga- the way the game's supposed to be officiated. I'm over but- this whole, it's a bigger game, so now we're going to let the guys play. That's asinine. It should be officiated the way the game was meant to be officiated. I actually thought the outside of the one Jalen Ramsey touchdown, I'm going to call it a Jalen Ramsey touchdown because, you know, if he doesn't get, if he doesn't get face masked, it's, it's not a touchdown. <laughs> right. Well, if they call it. Right. Right. But outside of that play, I was actually okay with the officiating. I, was I okay. thought it was a clean, I thought it was a clean game. And for people like, you know, I'm surprised at the reaction on Twitter because they really only became involved on one series. Now, it was the game defining series, but and that's and that's the problem is that like, okay, you call 55 on the hold, which when you look at the whole game, you, you hadn't called it the whole game. So you really can't call that one. Now, the subsequent 15 yarder helmet to helmet okay they've been calling that all year that's fine it was the one like on the goal line where it was already yeah. first and first and goal yeah that one that to me was like that's overkill yeah all right like you've already they were on you got them on third down like dude you got them on third down they only needed to stop one more play to win the super bowl yeah. and you put them back at first down and then you call two more penalties on them so they had to stop six plus the original so like i thought that that part was overkill, but the one that got me was the one I, I don't even remember. I can't remember who 55 is. I'm sorry, everyone for not knowing every single player on the field, <laughs> but, but like, yo, that was a great defensive play and you had not called that penalty once the entire game. Yeah, no, I agree. And you, you said it so eloquently right there. It's that it was that one drive. Like you could have lived like if we were waking up today And the Rams, we all believe the Rams were going to score a touchdown there. Okay, so let's not act like we didn't think they would. What made it surprising to all of us was that since he was able to hold them to third down, and then we're all thinking, oh my God, there's about to be either a fourth down here or they have to choose to kick a field goal and go down by one point and play defense again. And then all of a sudden, nope, laundry on the field. So now it's first and goal, right? And by the way, you had you had to if you're the Bengals had thanked Sean McVay for the stupidity of running a goal line sneak with Matt Stafford on first down from like yeah. the two yard line. So like all of the things, and you're right. And then it's a bevy of flags. And if that didn't happen, right? If those, if that sequence of plays, and you could look at it from ninety different angles, right? Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. You're right about the the helmet to helmet contact. I do agree with that. I think both Eli Apple penalties that were called could could probably go fifty fifty either way. Had you just let that whole sequence played out, even with the Jalen Ramsey no call, I think everyone's sitting here going, that could have been one of the better officiated football games I've watched in a long time. Instead, they had they just had to get in on the action. And 
I think that's why people kill them on Twitter rock. It's probably maybe in some areas it's not necessary it warranted, I should say. But what I think it is, is that everyone's almost expecting it now. You know what I'm saying? It's like they probably go in, people go into the game now going, ah, oh, where are the officials going to screw this one up? So, like, it's mind blowing to me that an officiating crew tries to just not have their name be said after a game for once in the last 15 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's, see, and by the way, here's the problem with replay. They're, they're probably in. They're probably getting told, "Hey, you missed that call sure. on Jalen Ramsey and on the and on the touchdown." But like again, like you said, if they don't if, if they don't call anything, and the Bengals, you know, told them on fourth and fourth and fourth and goal there, and we, you know, the Bengals end up winning the Super Bowl. I agree with you. I don't think one person saying it was a bad officiating game. I'm saying that they are going to argue that bad call. But at, for the first sure. time in the rest defense based on the location of where they're playing, the sideline judge couldn't see the couldn't see it. You actually couldn't see where the face mask was grabbed because they're facing in field. So it's the back judge that would have had to have seen it. And so I think like, it's the back oh, one that threw the flag. I think you're right. From when you so when you look at the angle of that play, like, okay, I'll give the sideline judge if he's if he's running with the play, he can't really see it. It looks like they they got tripped up. They both because because it's funny, like, even in the replay, I was like, oh, well, they were both. And then, like, it took me, like, three replays to realize that there was a face mask pull. I would, yeah. I kept looking at their arms. I kept looking at their arms locking. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, I, I'm not I'm not terribly mad at the rest no, outside me, me of the fact that it was just, like, now it's now it's a thing. Yeah. Like, that's, I don't, yes. like, that, was, that's the most annoying The thing. fact that we were like, okay, I guess we should probably talk about this now tomorrow morning like, because this just happened. <laughs> Yeah, because like to me, the people who are like, "Oh, like thank you refs for blowing it for the Bengals." To me, yeah, it's, it's not. Take it, it easy. It's it's one at one out of six offensive drives that needed to last five plus minutes. Take it. yeah, take that's, that's it easy. Maybe look at the fact that when even down by three, you decide to run the football. On third and one, the sequence, and that kind of disappointed me a little bit too. And by the way, you're listening to the Rome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV Channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter Live at the Wide World of Rome, wherever you get your social medias, Andrew Romanella, Rocky Romanella. And like Zach Taylor, you know, I had a lot of, I, I love him. I think he's a really good head coach. I think that in his two years in Cincinnati, He's done a really good job. Obviously, it helps to get some pretty good players in there. They did a really good job in free agency over the last year and change. And I like Zach Taylor. I think half the reason why the Bengals are even here is because he's put his players in positions to succeed, even through times of them being the worst offensive line in the National Football League for the entire year. And yet, when it mattered the most, and I think everyone else was like, I just you're giving the ball to Joe Burrow. Like, I didn't think that there would be one run play called in the last minute and change with them having like three timeouts remaining. And I'm watching them run the football on third and one. Like, and it was a few times, and it wasn't just that sequence. It was a few times throughout the game from both sides, Rock, from Sean McVay and from Zach Taylor and their offensive staffs. What are we doing? I saw a great meme. It was like the Madden play call screen, and it was every run in the book, and it was like Sean McVay talking to Matt Stafford right now, and it was like, yeah, like both coaches almost wanted to commit so much to the running game that the reason we didn't see as much 
offense that we thought we'd see is because it almost felt like there was no rhythm from their offenses because they were playing a slightly different game than it had had gotten each team there. Yeah, it's 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 it was interesting too, especially in the second half when the Bengals needed to put together long drives, like they needed to put together a string of drives that ran the clock. Like I would argue, and I didn't I didn't clock it in a regular time clock, but I thought I think the third quarter was as long as the entire first half. Yeah, it felt really long. <laughs> like it was as long as the entire first half, and the only difference in the fourth quarter was two drives. One by the Bengals where they actually like ran the ball with Nixon and you're like, man, if they were just doing this the whole game. But even then, they went a first down and then put the ball back in Joe Burrow's hands. And it's the same mistake that I think all of the teams in the NFL have been making with, with no offensive line or quote-unquote no offensive line as what everyone else is telling you. Like You just keep telling me that the offensive line is not that good, but the offensive line is in the Super Bowl. So like I don't understand. And, and by the way, like, you now have the most sacks against the quarterback in Super Bowl history against Joe Burrow, and yet we're still committing to the drop back. And you you need to run. You need a drive that's going to take off five or more minutes. Like you need a long drive, even if you don't get points. Can you take four minutes off the clock every drive? Like they weren't even taking minutes off the clock when they were going three and out or like five or six and out. In the second half, and that's where I think they lost the game. Oh, and, and it's, it's a good point, and I think what plays into that for the Bengals, and and I, you can't discredit the offensive line thing, and it's it's like a double edged sword, right? It's like we need to take some time off the clock, but our offensive line has proven that we're not necessarily the greatest offensive line, and at this time, it's trending like they're winning the trenches, so we can't necessarily run. But at the same time, we, we we can't drop Joe Burrow back because we don't have protection. And we don't want to throw the ball too quickly because if you throw three quick slants and they're all incomplete, you've taken 12 seconds off the clock. And I think that is ultimately when finally, and I think people have been talking about this for a while, and you probably just mentioned it a little bit there, is that like it's been all about the offensive line for the Bengals. That's been the main conversation. I think that's the reason why, single-handedly, the reason why people chose the Rams to even just win this game, which ultimately, to your point about MVP earlier in the show, kind of came to fruition that the defensive line showed up in the second half. But the point being is the Bengals became a lose-lose scenario. It's almost like the game should have never been with them in the lead. Like, they're a better team when they're playing from behind, not obviously by 21-3 to standards like they did against the Chiefs, but in this game, why I felt so good about them winning is because they're within striking distance the whole time. They can run their natural offense, and they're an offense that is founded on big plays, right, and moving the football with your athletes. And so that generally, in a two- and a four-minute drill, tend to work out for an offense. And for guys like Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, as we saw, especially with that big play in the first half, they're going to find their big plays, and they just don't have the chance to necessarily do that when they're up because, Rock, they're, they need to kill the clock. And to your point, any sustainable offense, not, not, they might not win the Super Bowl there, but they they make it so that they get under two minutes, and that's when the Rams get the ball back, and, and the Bengals just essentially were like, yeah, you know what? We're going to take 15 seconds to just give it back to you because their offense doesn't necessarily have a plan for that type of victory, in my belief. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I think it's funny you say that because, you know, they were talking about how Sean McVay was 
hey, my first Super Bowl, I was overmatched. I overthought it. Like I got out coached by Bill Belichick. You know, that's like a lot of what I learned. I think, I think the same, I think the same goes, goes for the Bengals side this time around. Like we got up earlier in the second half than we anticipated. And, and we were in control of the game. Like we were not like, Hey, we, we thought like we would have been happy with a field goal on the opening drive, but the fact that we scored so quickly, okay, well, we wanted to score. That's why we took it. You know, that's why we deferred in the first half when we won the toss. By the way, the last eight toss winners have lost the Super Bowl. Now it was seven going into the game. So don't win the Super Bowl toss. Um, but like they're, they're okay. We wanted to score. We scored. Then they get the interception and it was like, well, I didn't have a chance to think about what I wanted to do next. I thought I was going to have three or four minutes of defense to figure it out. Well, yeah, it, it's, then, it's almost like one of those things like you're like almost too good for your own plan because not only did that happen, but as we mentioned earlier, then 12 seconds later, they picked the ball off. So now you're really yeah, like, like, should we yeah, run it? Like, I what know. do we do? Are we? And in yeah. my opinion, Rocky, and this is what makes Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs so good is that you have to play your offense in that scenario. Like, take me back to the Atlanta Falcons, New England Patriots Super Bowl. Okay, Dan Quinn, Kyle Shanahan, you're idiots. You're up by 25 with 13 minutes left in the game. Now we should probably start committing to running the football and not run our regular offense. But if you just took the lead in the Super Bowl, 12 seconds later, pick a team off, and you're only up by four, your whole playbook should be available. And again it felt like a change of who they were as those things started happening so quickly. Agreed. Agreed. And like, it, and, and I think at that moment, and I just wish more teams did it, but in that moment, it's okay. It is now Peyton Manning, Denver Broncos, Super Bowl approach. Sure. I don't care if we go three and out, we're running the ball on all three downs because we need to kill the clock. Yeah, like be, you, yeah. it's almost like, it's almost like they sped the game up two huge plays and then they needed to slow it down and they weren't able to take over that way. They were like, well, let's stay high flying. Like you said, we've got our whole playbook available to us, but you know, ultimately like that, I thought that was their demise because it allowed the front four to get after Joe Burrow a lot more. Well, you're you know, right. He got, you're you right. Know, but he it was wanted like, to make a bigger play. You're right. But like, just it, what it felt like to me was it, it, they got caught in the middle where like they wanted some of what you were saying, but they wanted some of what I was saying, which ultimately led to really short drives. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, just, yeah. And, and Joe Burrow being a young quarterback, well, listen, at the beginning of the game, it was very obvious, get the ball out early. I don't have time in the second half when you think you have time because you've taken over the game from a momentum standpoint, even though it's still the same one possession game you 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 know it almost like that's where his youth showed a little bit like oh I, I lost the game plan from a burrow standpoint you know like i'm holding on to the ball a little bit longer are guys less open probably not i'm just looking for the bigger play versus the check down because i need to make smart decisions if you want to head to at wide world of Rome on Instagram, you can get in on the Super Bowl conversation. We have a, a question sticker going about our Instagram story. Generally, to start the eight o'clock hour, we hear from the fans here on the Rome show. And then, obviously, if you just want to write in your thoughts at wide world of Rome, Twitter, the gram, and we will also check out the Facebook. The Facebook is the Rome show one. 
And you just go to facebook.com. I mean, that seems pretty simple. Okay, Rocky. So I had to ask you this question and I know it's, it's probably not a soft spot for you because you're a more normalized fan than most, but Odell Beckham Jr. Okay. He obviously gets a ring with the Rams and in my opinion, deservingly so you could talk about how he got there and how he's removed himself from teams all this other stuff but at the end of the day his play was deserving of the championship ring that he won and I think he was an instrumental part of what the Rams did and you saw when he got hurt in the second quarter he still finished the game with two receptions 52 yards and a touchdown by the way he got hurt in the second quarter and you actually saw how important he was to this Rams team so you know, the question's kind of two-part, Rocky, you know, because the first one kind of got answered in the game is how important really was Odell Beckham Jr. to this team? And and secondly, do the Rams have to re-sign him? Because to me, the that 26 minutes worth of bad football until Cooper Cup and Stafford woke up on that drive made me believe if I'm the Rams, I got to do anything I can to get Odell Beckham Jr. back in the building. Yeah, if, if, so I have two thoughts. Number one, if Odell Beckham did not play for the New York Giants, I would sit here saying I'm happy for him the same way I was happy for guys like Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette last year who went to Tampa Bay, had a chance to kind of recoup the negative perception of themselves and it seemingly looked like they had turned the the page on a, you know, outspoken style, you know, media driven career where they're more in the negative spotlight than the positive. And I probably would have celebrated it until obviously, you know, I didn't care for Antonio Brown's antics this year. And you're like, crap, he didn't get any better. But at the moment, I was happy for him. So if, if Odell didn't play for the Giants, I would be happy for him, you know, because he it looks like, you know, he finally found a place where he it wasn't all about him. It was about his teammates. And you could see a couple of clips of guys picking him up. So they must have felt the same way about him um, in the locker room. You know, however, because I am a Giants fan and because I am a firm believer that the Giants' recent fit like recent troubles are due to him and his antics at the end of Tom Coughlin's career that the Giants have literally never recovered from yet. Maybe this year they will. Um, I can't stand the fact that he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> Honestly, that's the most ma- mature thought I've, I think I've heard you have in a long time. I'm really, really proud of you for that. I mean, it's true though. I mean, those are, those are, those are, those are my perspectives. Cause I always listen. I'm, you know I'm an underdog kind of guy. Like, I'm happy for Matt Stafford. I'm happy that Matt Stafford won the Super Bowl. I've killed him in the past, right, because he's never really won anything. And, and, I, and, and I probably killed Stafford more because of I don't like how fantasy statistics run the decisions, like run what, what good looks like in, in the league. So that's probably why I killed him. But that doesn't mean I'm not, I don't, I'm not cheering for the guy. I love the fact that he was able to, to figure out a way to win I love the fact that his two his two plays like uh, versus the, uh, versus the Buccaneers, the Cooper Cup down fifty yard pass, and then his drive on half an ankle right yesterday, which was really like the best drive of the game. I mean, they go for it on fourth and one on their own twenty five yard line, right to kind of set up that entire drive. Which you know, with three timeouts, a lot of people would have said probably. By the way, if that's a regular season game with three timeouts, they're pumping. Oh yeah, with 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 five minutes and 35 seconds left, but no, they go for it because it's the Super Bowl. So I'm happy for that. The same way I am happy for that side of Odell to get, to get the ring. But like I said, like for, for a fan that's like, if, if it's your team, you understand the dynamic of the organization much better. And because I saw the way 
Coughlin's exit was in direct relation to Odell Beckham becoming larger than life and, and the seemingly Willie Beeman of the New York Giants. It's hard for me to cheer for him because of the turmoil he's left the Giants in since he was there. Yeah, and it's also, and it wasn't as much turmoil in Cleveland, but it it was on the same wavelength of probably the fan feelings that you're having right now this morning, Rocky, as you watch Odell and the Rams celebrate their Super Bowl title. I got to imagine that in Cleveland, these people are probably losing their minds because not only were the Bengals in the Super Bowl, which is, you know, a Ohio rivalry in its own right, but then you have the fact that you didn't get anyone back for Odell. You straight cut him, and now he's got yeah. a Super Bowl ring. That's got to hurt. <laughs> Yeah, that's and and that's and that's crazy, and 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 that's the that's the part that's so polarizing about the guy, because he's never not been. No one's ever said he's not talented. Well, that's the definition of the NFL. We've talked about this so many times on this show. Go back to the Wide World of Rome podcast, the the Rome Show podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and listen to a bunch of the episodes. That is the National Football League. We are okay with people not being great humans as long as they're really good on the football field. Then then we're okay with them playing for our team now i think odell is a way better scenario than a lot of these other dudes you know the one the first one that comes to my mind is like a deshaun watson now it's innocent until proven guilty and he hasn't been proven guilty on anything but the point being is if you're gonna adhere or, or take on a guy on your team that has had some issues in the past you'd rather those issues merely just be he's kind of a nut job on the football field he responds poorly to to bad play or the quarterback's not throwing him the football than doing stupid stuff and, and really bad stuff off the field either way it has been a storyline throughout the history of the national football league to where players can act up in different places and then they can still get what they want i equate it to james harden what just happened with the brooklyn nets right now right james harden in houston didn't want to be there anymore acted like a child acted like an a-hole decides not they don't they, they decide to trade him to brooklyn both franchises send the world then a year later, James Hard doesn't like Brooklyn, so he acts like a child. He shows up overweight. He plays poorly on purpose, and he, he fakes an injury. Well, now he's been traded to Philadelphia. It's like you're rewarding these guys for not being the true aspect of a team player. And unfortunately, and I don't know if that's a if that's just a professional sports thing, Rocky. I don't think it's just a National Football League thing or an NBA thing. I think it, it probably happens in a lot of places where players do, deservingly so, deserve the credit and the praise that they get for how good they are talent wise but unfortunately sometimes these guys are so good that it outweighs the type of human they are and that's that is just a little disappointing to me yeah yeah agreed agreed and so you know so yeah but you know what i'm, I'm happy for the rams it, listen i thought the nfl playoffs in general were outstanding um, and i just I, i'm afraid to get to get into to my my overall feelings on some of the how, how people manage talent with what we were just talking about. But, you know, when you look at some of the talent that was on the field, I mean, it was a great Super Bowl. It was exciting. I thought the LA, just the stadium looked incredible. The coverage was, was good. Al Michaels is lights out. Um, He's always, you know, pump, pump that Catherine Tappen was on the sidelines representing hockey all over the world. Um, and and the halftime show was pretty good too. What do you think? So yeah, and there's a. I mean, I I have to ask you some more about Matthew Stafford, but I'll get into the halftime show a little bit with you because <laughs> I know you can't keep, stay on the whole show for me. Um, I I loved it. 
I thought it was it was easily my favorite halftime show in the history of me watching the Super Bowl. And I, I, I equate that mainly to Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Um, I, I did enjoy I did enjoy Eminem probably more because of the song that he chose to lip sync more or less than the the actual Eminem performance. Um, I, I love 50. I've always loved 50. I could probably consider 50 my, my favorite rapper. He's at least a top three favorite rapper. But I was a little, it was a little strange. I don't care about the guy's weight. You know, stop, stop crushing the guy. All right, stop crushing him for his weight. He, he can do whatever he wants with his uh, he's body. He's a dollar. He's a dollar yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the funny. That's the funny meme on the gram and Twitter. Uh, I could, so but good. I could have done without Mary J. Blige. Uh, I was good on that one. I could have done without Fifty, but I thought Dr. Dre and Snoop, dude, like the songs that they chose. I thought the whole. Uh, the whole uh, stage was sick. The the dancers. So I I gave it I gave it an A definitely, um, and it's definitely my top Super Bowl halftime, no doubt. Yeah, it's it's very much like um, it's very much like the music industry. Like the NFL went to the music industry, and they were like, "Who do you guys want? Who do you guys want to perform the Super Bowl?" And like they're like, "Hey, it's time that we let Dr. Dre like take his time in the sun." And like it was really like an ode to Dre, like. Um, like he's produced all of those people. I think that's like, those are like his top performers that he ever brought in. I'm still confused about the 50 thing because like no one's, I'm more confused about 50 showing up because no one talked about it. Like no one was like, it wasn't, he wasn't a part of the commercials. He wasn't a part of like the tease. Like, he wasn't even a part of, like, the U- you know, I, I get, like, alerts on my phone, like, USA Today, like, blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, see highlights from Mary J. Blythe, Kendrick Lamar, Eminem, Dr. Drain, Snoop Dogg's performance. And it's, like, 50 wasn't even in after. He was already revealed to be performing. It's, like, wh- where did he go? Yeah, dude. And that's why I think, one... That's probably why the the memes of his size are in existence because everyone was probably watching TV as myself and Carissa were, and we were like, "Who the hell is that?" And then finally, we we're like, "Wait, is it Fifty Cent? I think it's Fifty Cent." And I think that's why it also threw people off. Like, if Fifty showed up, regardless if he was upside down or not, and he looked exactly like you expected Fifty to look like, I don't think it would surprise people as much. You know what I'm saying? Or it would excite them more than it did. But the problem was, you had no idea, to your point, and then he's upside down, and then when he flips over, you're like, holy bleep, who the hell is that? And it's like, yeah. oh, it's 50 cent, I, 8 50 cent. <laughs> so, like, it's more like, it's, I'm gonna make a reference here. I think it's pretty funny, but so it's like Barry Bonds, Pittsburgh Pirates versus like Barry Bonds, like San Francisco Giants breaking the home run record. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but in Barry Bonds' defense, him him with the Giants comparative to him with the Pirates, he was still very much in shape when he was with the Giants. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. But that's you know that's a lot like what it looked like. Fifty, wait, wait, fifty right yeah. now is that in shape, out of shape guy at the gym that just crushes biceps every day. So his arms will always look good. He crushes shoulders, oh, yeah. crushes biceps, but does nothing else. Yeah, which I don't mind, um, especially <laughs> being that they're that the average age of the performers was 49 years old last night. So That's the crazy. millennial generate, the millennial generation took over the Super Bowl. I mean, we had a, a purely like late nineties, early two thousand hip hop session 
Plus, we've got Meadow Soprano driving the electric yeah. Chevy. Like, back to the Sopranos days. Like, what? it was like an ode to the millennial generation, which I was, you know, pretty excited about. Shout out to New Jersey, by the way, because not only, obviously, is it an ode to the Sopranos, that commercial, which... I had, I made a list of, of favorite commercials, by the way, that we can run through, Rocky, if you'd like to. But and the the Soprano spoof was was one of my top ones, and it was more or less because like they just showed all those are all the reasons which makes me laugh about the Sopranos intro. As somebody from New Jersey that believes that New Jersey gets a bad rap, one of the two reasons it gets a bad rap is because of the area located around the Newark Airport, which is essentially everything that they show in the Sopranos intro and yeah. it just looks like well, it's crap. A <laughs> I yeah, love it. Terrifying. So think about it. Yeah. This is why people give New Jersey a bad rap because when you land here, you land in your Newark airport because the Jersey Shore television show and now I'll add a third one because the Sopranos intro. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're just yeah, you're just looking at big huge oil tanks That's, and uh, and gross bridges <laughs> and an easy pass. <laughs> yeah. And if like there was ever a place where New Jersey smelled, it was that section of the turnpike where every single one who travels to New Jersey enters. So yes, correct. You know, that's like so you show, show show me a video of this shore, and like you'll you'll think differently. Yeah, that's they said that's a great point out of you. But that was I, I, at first I was freaking out. I'm like, Carissa, are they coming back with another version of Sopranos? Because they were playing the Bel Air commercial all day, which is like the spinoff of Fresh Prince of Bel Air, right? So I'm like, I see Meadow. We're, we got the woke up this morning and i'm like watching it yeah are we about to do and, and chris is like dude it's a chevy commercial i'm like nah dude this could be a lot of the sopranos coming out she's like did you not see the chevy logo and i was like i'm so locked in on meadow soprano driving a car to the intro sopranos i had no idea it was a com car commercial till the end I dude i thought we were coming back and so she was gonna I. be a boss Me i was like too. what's happening this I was is like, amazing this is awesome and then i was like oh it's a chevy commercial i was like ah Part, it was an awesome commercial, but like part of me was so excited that I thought the Sopranos yeah, were taking was, a comeback. That was my favorite commercial also. And like outside of the fact that electric cars are taking over the world, like I wasn't really too impressed with any commercial. Uh, well, can, can we can we talk really quickly? I got two comments on it. The first one is, wow, Peyton Manning, his career after football might be better than his football career because he was in, I thought, like yeah. every other commercial. My fit. My one of my top commercials, and I you might have missed it. This is why you probably are saying that they're bad because the Michelob Ultra commercial that what existed in the bowling alley with Peyton Manning, Brooks Kepta, Serena Williams. Did you see that commercial? I saw the first part of it. I did not Dude. see the second part. Okay, first both parts are electric. That that commercial was phenomenal. That's true. That it's just. That if I could choose a group of people to hang out with in a bowling alley and shoot pool, those people would probably be on my list. More specifically, Peyton and Kepka. Then the Kepka spinoff on of the same commercial, but just him and his caddy at the bar deciding between yeah. the Bud Light. Yeah, that's the one I got. Okay, you didn't see the first one then, which was Peyton Manning bowling. Dude, phenomenal. So that was great. Okay, I got some some more for you. The BMW Zeus commercial I thought was awesome. Where Zeus Yeah, the Zeus <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like to. I like. I like Arnold. I'm an yeah. Arnold fan, though. So, where Zeus retires to Palm Springs, that really made me laugh. I thought that was phenomenal. Okay, so that was a good one. The uh, the avocados from Mexico commercial where they were tailgating. Actually, you're right. Yeah, you're right about the avocados commercial. Dude, that was a good. One. When they said, "Look at those barbarians," and they're breaking the table, I was 
crying, dude. That was phenomenal. And then, obviously, on top of that, because I'm on the Peyton Manning bandwagon, the Caesars. Could you see the Caesars Sportsbook commercial with the Mannings where it was Archie, Eli, Peyton, and the brother? And Caesar and like Peyton makes a joke about uh, Caesar's like, oh, yeah, uh, Cleopatra is the, the brains behind this operation. And, and Peyton's like, yeah, we knew that. And then Caesar's like, oh, hey, man, like only Caesar makes the jokes around here. Which one of you legendary Mannings is going to pass me the avocado or whatever? And then like, who, who's the brother uh, with this with the son? Cooper. Cooper goes, oh, I got you. And he goes, hey, I said legendary. I was crying. So. That yeah. those those the Mannings Peyton specifically crushed it, but the the Michelob Ultra, the avocados from Mexico, those were some of my favorites. Yeah, and I've got and as you and as we were talking about it, I don't know there there is one commercial I did love. The Austin, and did you see the Austin Powers GM yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, another ode to the millennial generation yep, there absolutely. with the commercial, but I Correct. I actually didn't like it. I actually did not like wow. it. I thought it was forced. Okay. Fair um, enough. The Telemundo commercial where they're screaming gold. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 lights out. Rocco was even yelling goal. It was amazing. Goal. Oh, so good. And I first yeah. I'm like, what are we what I was like, what is this commercial? And then like it just kept going and going and yeah. going. And I'm like, this is actually phenomenal. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 one uh, was my favorite. So that is uh, that's a, so. Listen, I thought the Super Bowl experience they did a good job, and that's very much a part of this. A part of the Super Bowl, the experience, the national anthem was great. I don't know how long it was. I didn't pay attention. It's usually the prop is over under two minutes and thirty seconds. I think it was under. Um, so that was great. Halftime show good. The game was good. Commercials. I, I, I would put the commercials as at, at an okay. You know, I feel like commercials have gone downhill over the last couple of years. Well, yeah, because I feel like sometimes it's too forced. Like I, I could, uh, I don't think I remember seeing like one progressive right or one like State Farm commercial. And I only say that because when I'm watching regular television on a non Super Bowl Sunday, oh, I want to call it, and they're and they're great commercials too. It's not like they're bad commercials, right? So I feel like you almost know that the Super Bowl commercials are forced, which is probably why you didn't like the Austin Powers ones. But that's why I think you know the the ones that were so good were so good because they 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 fall under the line of you were almost surprised that that commercial was so good. It was so good, and that's why you enjoy it. Yeah, but then like, but then you had like Matthew McConaughey, who I love, like doing this whole like more like more or less like a world peace type deal, like let's all be cool, and you're like, all right, yeah, I'm down for that. Like it's a pretty tumultuous world right now. Like let's let's all be friends. Like I'm down. But then it was like Salesforce. That was the it was like that who the brand was. Yeah. So I was like. This has nothing to do with a CRM. I don't understand. I got it. Before we finish on the commercials, though, I got a shout out. I think it was like Coinbase.com. Speaking of a commercial that had nothing to do with the business, but it was genius. It was that uh, old school. Oh, yeah. The, it was, yeah. The screensaver yeah, thing. I'd <laughs> I, I be honest with you. Good. I stared at it for 20 seconds. I looked at Jen. I go, you know what? I'll find, let me put my phone up to this thing. Like, I got I to gotta see what this is. I'm like, oh, Bitcoin. Yeah, that's what dude, Carissa did the exact same thing. And I was like, you know what, though? I, I wasn't. I was actually, I purposely sat there and said, I'm not going to scan this. I know what this is. They want me to scan it and they want me to go to the, which is awesome. This is a genius idea. But 
I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to see when it's actually going to hit the corner or if they actually were going to have it hit the corner. Cause so in my opinion, if I'm running that commercial Rocky, I'm never having to hit the corner because then people are even thinking about it more today. Like, oh man, I can't believe that thing never hit the corner. Cause that's what pissed people off on the computer screen. It never hit the corner. That was, that's half the reason why that thing became famous. So, but I yeah, give, so. if I had to, if you had to grade it really quickly and I got your, uh, where did he go to college for you today? Okay. If you had to grade it, all right, you get, you get to grade the commercials, you get to grade the, the actual Super Bowl play and you get to grade the halftime show. Cause those are essentially the three most important things. How would you grade it out? Uh, what, what's my scale? A, A to B, one to five. What, yeah. what am I grading on? Let's go traditional letter grade, non-gunnery style. I would go <laughs> honors. No, uh, <laughs> I would. Uh, no, I, I'd probably give it an A minus. Okay, which part? I asked you for I, three. I, I, I give. I give like actually. Okay, so I'm going to give the Super Bowl commercials like a B plus. Probably just a B, not even a plus. I'm going to give the halftime show an A minus. Um, although I did love the fact that there was like a house and like they were just like sitting on the couch when yeah. I was there trying to perform, which I thought was awesome. Um, and I'm going to give, I'm going to give the game an A. I don't think it was an A plus. I think it was an A. Like I think the playoff was an A plus. I think the game was an A. I know. Happy, happy Valentine's day, little one. Oh, happy Valentine's um, day. Yeah. yeah. So that, I think those are my grades. I, I think that is, I think that's a fair grading scale. I would probably give the game a B plus to an A minus. I'll settle on B plus. I'll give the commercials an A minus and I will give the halftime show an A plus. And the reason is because finally, and this has probably been the argument with the Brian Flores and we haven't even gotten into this that much, but the Brian Flores lawsuit against the National Football League is essentially that the league doesn't see its trends and isn't hiring towards its trends, which is majority of teams have black players on it. Finally, I feel like the league said, hey, you know what? Let's give the fans and the players in the National Football League the halftime show that appropriately depicts the National Football League. Because I, I can't imagine, Rocky, how many guys listen to that type of music as they get ready for the game. So that's why I'm going to give the halftime show an A+, because I really do feel like, and you mentioned it earlier, it was like it was like giving Dre his moment while also showing what a, probably a lot of pro athletes listen to to get themselves pumped. So A+, for halftime, definitely. And I got to go B+, for the game, because I just feel like the offense on both sides just was so not what I expected that it, it wasn't A-level quality for my eyes. It was, hey, defense wins championships. It does. Hey, you ready defense for where did you go to college? Championships. Uh, I am, and, and you got to let me know if you want a sixty-second hockey with Rocky because I have something. For oh, you. oh yeah, no doubt. I, I just I figured for the people we'd get through the football because where do you go to college? Is football related this this week? Yeah, perfect. Is that Fire good? All right, here we go. Ready? Yeah. Andrew Whitworth, offensive lineman, Los Angeles Rams. Andrew Whitworth, offensive lineman, Los Angeles Rams. I'll give you Rutgers. Wow, that's a an electrically fast gas, and I love it. He did not go to Rutgers. It was in the <laughs> SEC. It was in the SEC. <laughs> There's a lot of good teams. Um, he didn't go to Clemson because <laughs> they're in the ACC, even though we let them look like they were in the SEC for five years until last year that we tra treated them like they were actually in the ACC. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I had to throw that in there. Uh, he went to LSU. Wow. All right. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one because I've learned with you, you have impulse guesses and real guesses. Rutgers was an impulse guess, whereas LSU was a nicely thought out guess. Thank you. And, and the, the Rutgers guess was only because when they went through the intros, there was one player from Rutgers in the intro. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. And I was like, oh, this has got to be who I, I wasn't even getting, I, I, it doesn't matter what name you said to me. I was saying Rutgers. Your record, you you are two you are two and zero in your last two weeks, and your record has now moved to three and eight. You are you are trending up, my friend. Trending north. Well, last week I got it because you gave me the where he played junior hockey. So that, was that was a g- that was a big. I, I I give myself credit. Speaking of that hockey thing, the the pucks on the ice. Should I hit it? Yeah, you can hit it. It's going to be quick though. It's not going to be a long segment. That's you okay. can play the sound. Right? That's okay because it's Super Bowl Monday. Now, inside the glass, hockey with Rocky. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Hockey with Rocky. My name is Catherine Tappen. No, it's not. It's Rocky. Um, that quickly from the Super Bowl. Impressive, Catherine. I have, I have, I have three things for you. Number one, if you don't know why hockey celebrates Catherine Tappen, it's because you didn't watch the NHL Network back after the lockout in 06 when the NHL Network and the NHL and the NBC and Versus really started promoting the sport back to where it is today. Catherine Tappen was the first anchor on NHL Network. So all the on the flies, all of the highlights and stuff, she was the lead. And then she transitioned into NBC Sports when we did NBC Hockey and all that stuff. And now look at her. She's on the sidelines of the NFL Super Bowl, which you got to celebrate it. So, and she's also a, a Rutgers grad. Ran, I want to say she ran cross country from Rutgers. So, wow. big time, big time roots there from Catherine Tappen. Got to love it. Um, a lot like how I feel about Kevin Burkhart when I see him on on Fox NFL Sundays, and yeah. knowing that he was the sideline guy for the Mets. You know, you're proud of where where they came from when it's your when you hold it close to your heart. Number two, the second thing I got from a hockey or from a hockey standpoint, I did something over the weekend. I did advanced scouting for the New York Rangers. I watched the Vancouver Canucks play the Toronto Maple Leafs. And all three players that are in question to get traded to the Rangers for Alexi Lafreniere, Bo Horvath, the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, Brock Besser, and JT Miller, former Ranger, are all playing on the same line right now. Hmm. Um, which, which I thought was fascinating. So uh, it was exciting to watch them play, and I, and I got a little insight into what that's going to look like um, and why that they're interesting to the Rangers. But number three, most importantly, in about 15 minutes, turn on your television. Yeah. To, I think it'll be on USA. You've got the women's hockey USA team playing in their semifinal matchup versus Finland. Uh, last night, Canada uh, beat... Switzerland, I believe, like ten to three to go to the gold medal game. Yeah. If the U.S. wins this morning, you need to turn on your TVs at eleven ten p.m. on Wednesday night to watch the gold medal game. Because when the USA and Canada step on the ice, you have to remember one thing and one thing only: these are the best forty female hockey players in the entire world. The U.S. and the Canada it is not even a question. Everyone knows it. They are the two best producers of female hockey talent in the world. That is a game that you're going to want to watch. You've got the men's U.S. Dude, in the quarterfinals. Awesome so, story. Hey, 
Yep, yep. So a lot of a lot of good stuff from a from a Olympic hockey standpoint. You gotta watch, and those are my three things. Wow, that was that could have quite possibly been one of the better hockey Rockies you've ever produced on this show. Exceptional stuff. Thank you. And and shout Thank out you. both the Olympic hockey teams because one, the women that they're trying to defend the gold, and the men. This is like the first time this has happened since 1980. People, this is not. NHLers. This is made up of college guys, junior hockey guys. Like these are names you're going to know in five years, but you have no idea who they are now. Tap in because it's some pretty awesome hockey right now from both sides of the United States. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do like the fact that like retired guys like Eric Stahl are playing on Team Canada, which is pretty fun to see. Yeah. Um, so a lot of good stuff from the Olympics from a hockey standpoint, but on a Super Bowl Monday, you know, I appreciate the five minutes. Happy for the Rams and Matthew Stafford. Great NFL season. And the rundown is now officially retired and will be back next year. It is on the Hockey with Rocky full time. And I'll tell you what, it was a great first season of the rundown. I, you know, things things to learn, exciting things to build off of. And I, and I just it's just more reason for the Romo Sapiens to continue every Monday to lock into the Rome show. And then every week, lock into the wide world of Rome and the Rome Show podcast. No other reason, no other thing to say about it. Absolutely. Romo Sapiens, you have yourself a great Super Bowl Monday. Hopefully, you're not too late to work today. Exciting. Nobody in Cincy because they got the day off. Rocky Romanello, we thank you. Wow. Just, just exceptional stuff. From, from Rocky Romanella, as as it is every single week. And, and there's a lot more to dive into the last 30-some minutes of this show. Before we go to our commercial break, I just want to touch on that hockey point that Rocky just made right there. For those of you that don't know, the NHL decided not to send their players to the Olympic Games this year because they had to make up time. Rocky's talked about this before in the past, and next week and, and, some, and some weeks after, We'll dive a little bit more into the the hockey season, where the standings are currently right now, the, the stretch, all that good stuff. But for the time being, your sights should be turned to the Olympics definitely because of what Rocky mentioned with our women's team. They play in the semifinals very shortly at the end of this show. And then because of the history associated with our men's hockey program. I mean, everybody knows the miracle on ice in 1980, right? Like it's, it's one of those things where even if you don't even really like sports, you probably know that that existed in our country's history and that it was beyond just a hockey game. It was beyond just a sports moment for our country. There was some real historical context there. I shouldn't have to go any deeper than that to the Romo Sapiens. I would assume 99.9% of my audience has not only known about that story, but watch the movie Miracle. So if you don't know anything about it, just go watch the movie Miracle and you'll learn everything you need to know about it. Well, I've been saying this since it was announced that the National Hockey League players would not be going to the Olympics. But I'm like, man, this is legitimately the first time in over 40 years that this has happened. And that could have been one of the single greatest Olympic moments in our country's history. And then you flash forward to now and you finish... The, the, the round robin play and the men's team finishes at three and oh and you're saying to yourself what is it you know is it like should we you know every 40 years just test our luck with non-NHLers or is it should we never go back with the NHL guys again or is it just one of those things where 
you just get it right sometimes. And the right group of guys comes together with the right type of energy and the right type of ability and talent. And you, and you get picked the right teams to play in the first three rounds, whatever it is. The bottom line is, for the first time in 40-plus years, non-NHLers are playing for the United States hockey team, and they are making history what feels like it could be history for the first time since that miracle on ice in 1980. That, that, that really, I mean, was a monumental moment for the United States of America, and that is why the Olympics are so cool. I'll touch into that a little bit to end the show because, of course, as my sounder mentioned at the start of the show, I'm an avid figure skater guy now, and I want and and I want to see regular people in the Olympics because of how much figure skating I've watched. And I'm like, I want to see a normal person try and do these moves. Either way, we dive into the Olympics. We talk about whether we believe Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer or not, and we get to what the fans wrote in at Wide World of Rome on Instagram. I am Andrew Romanella. This is The Rome Show. We are with you till 8.30. We'll be back after we pay these bills. Yes, indeed, it is the Rome Show here on 12 Ounce Sports Radio, Zingo TV Channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter Live. Get the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you missed any of it, just search Wide World of Rome or the Rome Show podcast. Andrew Romanella with you for about another 30 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear from the head ball coach of the Cincinnati Bengals after the tough Super Bowl loss yesterday to the Los Angeles Rams. First, we'll hear from Zach Taylor about the experience his young players gained from this, their first Super Bowl together as a group. You know, these playoff games weren't easy, and even beyond that, we had some tough games, and our guys proved that they can, they can uh, do a lot of great in those situations and put us in these moments. And so you just got to continue to build off that. They'll have these these memories to pull back from um, in the future. Uh, but but every year is a new year, so we can't just assume that we're going to be right back here without without putting in all the work that we put in last year. And then well, that's, that's Coach always. Taylor continued on to talk about how the roster is constructed and how, unfortunately, it has to be different year by year. And this is a special group because it's the only time this group will ever be together. The, the tricky part with any team, you, you don't know what the makeup's going to be next year. Um, I loved every single guy in that locker room. You know, they were all Bengals, and they, they all meant a lot to us, and they did things the right way. And, um, you know, so we, we just got to find a way to, to really appreciate the season we just had with the group we had. And the starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals also had something to say about the roster, this group of guys, and the experience from this season. Yeah, I mean, we're a young team, so you'd like to think that we'll be back in this situation multiple times over the next course of the next few years. So, you know, we take this and, you know, let let it fuel you for the rest of our careers. And the stat that was underneath Joe Burrow during that clip of his postgame interview was sacked 19 times during the postseason and seven 
during the Super Bowl, and I got a Romalytic for you here. That is that Joe Burrow was the first QB in National Football League history to reach the Super Bowl and also be the most sacked quarterback during the regular season. That is correct. Joe Burrow led the National Football League. I should say the offensive line of the Bengals led the National Football League in sacks allowed at 51. So if you include the 19 in the postseason, for those of you doing the math at home, that is 70 times during the 2021-2022 season, Joe Burrow was sacked. That is an astronomical amount for a team that not only was in the Super Bowl, but had a legitimate chance towards the end to win that game. If I would have told every Bengals fan, every Bengals fan at the beginning of the season, hey, here's the deal, okay? You're going to be in the Super Bowl. You're going to be down by three with about a minute left in the game and three timeouts. You're going to have the ball to your like 20-something yard line. You're playing the Rams, okay? Would you take it? You're a liar as a Cincinnati Bengals fan if you tell me you wouldn't have taken that at the beginning of the year, okay? So I think both the head coach and the quarterback are correct. You got to be appreciative and proud of what you did this year. But the ultimate goal is to win the championship, and they didn't do that. And ask Dan Marino, probably one of the most common things I've heard besides the fact that 50 Cent turned into a dollar, is you don't always get back. Tom Brady said it in his Man in the Arena documentary. You don't realize how hard it is to get back. I mean, people forget that Tom Brady had a 10-year span where he didn't win a Super Bowl. Yeah, he probably went to the Super Bowl because he was different than most, but didn't win a Super Bowl. There are players that have gone that span in their career, cough, cough, Aaron Rodgers, where you're like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to keep winning Super Bowls. Nope, hasn't even been back. It hasn't even been back. So you do have to appreciate what you've done because it is so hard to get to that moment. You have to take it in because it's also so hard to get back. And you don't know. You bet, I bet you if you would have asked Dan Marino, I bet if we went back to interviews of Dan Marino after his first Super Bowl appearance, you interview Dan Marino, we'll be back. Yeah, and of course, and he probably did believe he was going to be back because they were probably good enough to get back, and he was clearly a good enough quarterback to take them there. But it's football. Outside of the fact that it's one of the most injury-prone sports out there, you have to add contracts in and coaching changes and all of the changes that go on in an offseason of a football team, right? Like, you don't just come back with this group. And you don't just make it back, especially when you're in the hardest division in football, quite possibly. So I thought great perspective from, from the coach and the quarterback there and, and a really crazy Romalytic that, I mean, great. That's a, that's a kudos to the Bengals for going through those adversities with their offensive line and still being able to be within a drive away well, and even farther than that, probably like 20 yards away from an Evan McPherson game-tying field goal to go to overtime. Outstanding season. Your last Romalytic of the day is this. 
Got to give a shout out to my man, Andrew Whitworth. We mentioned him and where did he go to college before? Andrew Whitworth became the third player in the National Football League to start a Super Bowl in his 40s. I'll give you a quick second to think about the other two. One side note to Whitworth. He was drafted in the second round by the Cincinnati Bengals some, I don't know, what, 20 years ago, however long he's been in the league, but that's pretty crazy. Drafted by the Bengals wins his only Super Bowl against the Bengals, and for those of you trying to think at home, it is Tom Brady and Jerry Rice as the other two players to start a Super Bowl in their 40s. Shout out Andrew Whitworth for not only starting a Super Bowl in his 40s, being the third ever player to do that, but winning the Super Bowl and winning the Walton Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which I think is quite possibly the best honor in the National Football League. So those are your Romalytics today. I think some pretty awesome Romalytics, if I do say so myself. We are going to go to the fans here now, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. And it was a simple question today on the Instagram story. By the way, a lot of commentary on that dude. I have Vernon Hargraves the third, I think it was, that got the got the penalty for uh, after the first pick of Stafford late in the second quarter. He gets the 15-yard penalty. First penalty on the Bengals in the Super Bowl. This dude runs off the bench in regular clothes and celebrates the, with the interception with the team in the end zone. Right so now, it takes them from twenty-five to the ten-yard line, which essentially kills really your opportunity to drive at the end of that quarter. And then, really, the, the it, my biggest issue with it is him wearing socks and sandals. Like, bro, 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 bro. You're at the Super Bowl. You're at the Super Bowl. I don't care. I'm not here to argue whether that's a good look or not. And I shouldn't have to even argue one side of that. But style, style. I get it. I understand. But bro, you're at the Super Bowl. You're a National Football League player. I understand you're inactive. But you're on the sidelines in socks and sandals? So... So just let me get this right, Vernon. Okay, let me just, I just want to make sure I have this the situation under control. Had the Bengals won the Super Bowl, you were cool with every photo you had from that moment of your career, which you may never get a ring again, whether you play or you don't, you get the ring. All of those photos with you in socks and sandals, like you left the locker room saying, hey, most watched sporting event of the year, socks and sandals, baby. Like, what? And then, not only have you chosen socks and sandals as your attire on the sidelines for the Super Bowl, the most important game that any football player could ever be a part of, dressed or not, you then run onto the field. You think, logically, which I shouldn't be surprised at now because you logically thought that socks and sandals would be a legitimate outfit on the sidelines of the Super Bowl. You then went and ran onto the field. And cost your team 15 yards. What are you doing? You actually should be void of your opportunity to play in the National Football League any further because of the stupidity. I don't even know if that's a word. The dumbness of those decisions. Not the decision. Those decisions. Multiple decisions. From socks and sandals 
on the sidelines of the Super Bowl to running with those socks and sandals into the end zone to celebrate an INT. Vernon, sit yo behind on the bench. Go grab some Air Force One, some Jordans. I don't care. They don't got to be cleats. It's not Jim Harbaugh out here. But socks and sandals. So just a complete L the whole day for Vernon Hargraves Jr. or the third. I don't even know if that's his name, but I don't know if he necessarily deserves that because of those two decisions he made yesterday and quite possibly the most important game of his career and that he'll ever be a part of. Janner31 writes in, thank goodness it's over. Now get to the NHL playoffs, man. Spoken like a true Canadian, huh? The Janner31, we're getting there, baby. Coach K underscore writes in, Dr. Dre is the Beethoven of hip-hop. That is correct, and Rocky mentioned that before. That halftime show was like an ode to Dr. Dre, what he's done for hip hop and, and what he did for those people that were on the on the stage with him. So uh, uh, Coach K underscore, yeah, Dr. Dre quite possibly is the Beethoven of hip hop. Malizy, he wrote in this week, he called in last week. Shout out Malizy, the Chanticleer. Feel bad for OBJ, but glad he got his ring. Got a little ticky tack the last two minutes, period. New thought, by the way, Nick suck. So I'm going to answer both. We did talk a little bit about this earlier. If you missed it, at Wide World of Rome or the Rome Show podcast, wherever you get your podcast, you can. It's awesome. It's like so easy. Wherever you get your podcast, like how great is this? I mean, I digress. Yes, the referees little ticky tacky in the last two. That is why we're even talking about it. And I think Malizy, that's what bothers us all. It's like, dude. Just you let them play the whole game. There was a legitimate face mask that everyone and their mother, sister, cousins, brother, and dog saw that you didn't call. And then we get ticky-tacky in the last two. So, Malizy, you're right about that, and I think that's what's bothering people. It might not be that they were bad. It's just that the sequence of the way it went down over the course of the game and then late, it's probably what's upsetting people. So, Malizy, you're right. And, yeah, the Knicks do suck. You know why the Knicks suck? Because they have players that don't fit the coach's system and they have a coach that doesn't want to change his system to the players he's had. It's like, what are we doing, Tom Thibodeau? I've sat here and I've given you credit. I've sat here and I've said that like last year, you were deserving of coach of the year. That team played above its head. But the bottom line is, you want to be a great coach. You want to be a Phil Jackson level, Eric Spolstra level coach. You have to adapt your offense and defensive schemes to the players you have in your program. Eric Spolstra has been so good. Remember when everyone thought, oh, Eric Spolstra, just, just a figurehead for LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. Oh, really? Because last time I checked, the Heat are relevant every year. Eric Spolstra is like the Mike Tomlin of the National Basketball Association. Ooh, hot take. That's what we were looking for. He is the Mike Tomlin of the National Basketball Association. He's going to be there every year. And you know why that is? Because he coaches to the player. He does not coach to his scheme. The best coaches get the most out of the players because they coach their talent level into the scheme to make them a great team. What you're not doing, Tom Thibodeau, is coaching to the players on your roster. So the Knicks, Malizy, are going to keep sucking They're going to keep being a bad team. 
We're going to keep crushing them. And honestly, it might not even be the player's fault because they're not being put in a successful position to succeed. That's just my opinion. And I can't see how that's wrong. And by the way, Julius Randle, grow up, dude. Come on, bro. You're playing in New York. God, have some thicker skin. I can't I, I can't handle when athletes, like there are certain times I can't handle when fans act certain ways towards athletes because they don't realize how hard it is to play the game. But also there's sometimes when fans, just, when athletes just like shut up. I, I Everyone wants to be loved. I know that. I want everyone to love this show. Not everyone does. That's just a fact. I'd like everyone to like me. They don't. It's just, it's not possible. Get over it, Julius. Half the city's going to love you. Half of us are going to hate you. If you don't win a championship, you won't be remembered in 10 years anyways. You will, but it'll be like mellow, where it's like kind of good, kind of bad, because you did some kind of good things, not kind of great things. At the end of the day, if you don't win, no one cares. So just stop. Shut up. Shut up. You've won. <laughs> you're, we're winning. Okay? You got a great NBA career going. Just, just, de- just take it, because you're playing in New York, bro. So that's my feeling on the Knicks. Slano 43, beautiful mask everyone wore in L.A. Dot, dot, dot. Slano 43, I see you. PDB 2293 writes in, the Rams were just better. The Bengals will be back. Tons of crap, cap, excuse me, I almost read that as crap. Tons of cap and guys will want to play with Joey B. And that's probably the intangible here, right? Like when I was talking about Marino earlier, the free agency, the ability for players to move franchises, the control the players had of their career, that didn't really exist or exist as much. Whereas now there's a lot more control from the player. So if I'm a superstar in this league and I want to play with Joe Burrow, I'm going to find a way... Odell Beckham Jr. to play with Joe Burrow, right? That's exactly what Odell did with the Rams. He got himself out of Sin- or Cleveland, excuse me, so he could choose the team he played for next. Talked about it earlier with James Harden. It's like, what's happening with basketball? If you're a superstar, you don't like where you are, force your way out. You're good. But he's right, PDB 2293. A lot of players are going to want to play with Joey B, which allows the Bengals to have a more open window than not. It's probably like the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen effect, right? Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Like people are lining up to play with Tom Brady. Why wouldn't you? You have a 50% chance to go to the Super Bowl. That's essentially what his career was. He essentially got there 50% of his career. He probably won it 37% of his career, something crazy like that. So when you have one of those guys, people want to come play there, which means it's a little bit easier for you to sustain that success. Great point out of PDB 2293. Joey P7 writes, good game. Good game. It was a good game, Joey P. So I gave it a B plus. Chris Warner, 15, halftime show for the ages. Yeah, Werner, that that was an exceptional halftime show. I think it was my favorite of all time. And it's funny. And this is a great, this is a great John Woodenism, right? Like I believe it was the greatest halftime show I've ever watched, and I still have critiques for it. So great lesson out there in this whole halftime show thing, ladies and gentlemen. You can be great, you can be loved, but you can still get better at things. I.e., no Mary J. Blige, probably do without 50 Cent and Kendrick Lamar. However, the Kendrick Lamar like dance thing with the Dre Day people, well, it was pretty cool. So I eh, I'm all over on that. But either way. Great Super Bowl halftime show. And then Coach KP31, so happy for OBJ, dot, 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 not. So there are a lot of of mixed feelings 
on Odell Beckham Jr. here. And I could see why. I could see why. A lot of the people that listen to this show are from the metropolitan area. There's a good amount probably of Giants fans or people that just live close enough to the situation that they might not necessarily be that happy for OBJ. I feel that. I feel that. No doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind I understand that. I, I don't necessarily care that much. Yeah, I, I am kind of tired of this whole athlete not happy, verbalize it, make the team feel like a bunch of buttheads and the QBs feel bad. You know, I just, I'm not down with that. You know, I, I don't enjoy the wide receiver diva. Like, I don't, I want the confidence of that guy, but I want, I just shut, just, just, I just want guys to play, you know? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say be quiet, and not be yourself. No, 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 no. Be yourself. You know, you can dance in the end zone, celebrate the first downs at the appropriate times, like have handshakes with your boys, you know, all that good stuff. Just don't wear socks and say, no, I'm kidding. I'm not gonna go back to that. Just not gonna go back to that. But I don't need the diva wide receiver guy. I like the Odell Beckham Jr. that played the last nine or so games with the Rams. I like that guy. Not necessarily too much, just coming in here being a team guy. And I think Rocky mentioned it earlier, you hear all these clips of Odell having great team moments with his teammates. I think that happens because he's carrying himself the right way. And to Odell's credit, across the course of his career, he's always been discussed as him being a great teammate. You know, a lot of that, Rocky mentioned this last week, athlete versus media thing. You know, Odell was kind of in the beginning of that. And I think it's because a lot of people believe the media painted Odell's like this bad dude when in actuality, we have no clue because we don't know what he's like behind closed doors in the locker room every single day in the facility, on the practice field with his family. We don't know that. So it's, it is really hard to, to necessarily fully judge a person. However, perception is reality. So if the only time we see you, Odell, you're kissing, kicking nets and trying to punch Josh Norman, yeah, perception is reality. So it's a two-way street in that light with Odell. I'm, I could honestly, personally, I'm not losing sleep over the fact that he won a Super Bowl. I'm really more amped for Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford. And before this show ends, I, I got to ask this question. And I ask it late in the show because there might be a one-timer that comes out about this. I have no idea. But I do want the opinions of the people. Okay, and I want the opinions this week of the people so we can talk about it more as we kind of dissect this Super Bowl and we kind of dissect the ramifications of what just happened here. Because beyond the question of, is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer now? It's a, been a question on my mind for the last two weeks. If Matthew Stafford and the Rams win this game, is Stafford's career good enough with a Super Bowl to now put him in the Hall of Fame conversation? So that is ultimately, I think, a lot of what this game was about. And you can also throw in the fact that there has been some rumors that, you know, maybe Aaron Donald retires now. They even asked him after. He said he was going to stay in the moment, et cetera, et cetera. There was even some talk about Sean McVay even possibly retiring. Very Joe, Joe, John Madden-like of, of Sean McVay if he does retire. Either way, is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? Currently, he sits 11th all-time on the total passing yards list, okay, with... 49,995 yards. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players ahead of Matthew Stafford that are no longer currently playing in the National Football League and one player 
of the variety of Aaron Rodgers, who's already 6,500 more yards ahead of him and obviously still playing. Stafford is 33 years old, okay? So he is 11th all-time in passing yards. And 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 that's just, and it's a minute stat, okay? And I'm going to pull some more, uh, more stats up here for you. Um, NFL passing touchdowns, et cetera. But when you look at that and you say, okay, over the course of Matthew Stafford's career, he has that many throwing yards. Pretty impressive. Over the course of Matthew Stafford's career, he has 323 touchdown passes. Okay. Let's call it 50,000 throwing yards. Okay. He started 182 games in his career. All right. And is now a Super Bowl champion. So 50,000 yards. Over 320 touchdowns, a Super Bowl. Those are the good things, okay? Now, in his career, he's also thrown 161 interceptions. It's a 2 to 1 TD interception ratio about in his career. He has oftentimes, well, actually, not as much as you think. So I'm not even going to say that. He's only had one. Pro Bowl appearance, and those are the extents of his awards. Once he's led the league in completions, total completions, that is, not completion percentage, and twice he's led the league in passing attempts. And this is why Rocky had always had an issue with Matthew Stafford, because he always felt like he was just a fantasy quarterback. He was throwing yards and attempts because the Lions were so bad. But you have to think, he's put up 50,000 passing yards and and 323 touchdowns 12 of his years in Detroit. They were terrible. His first two years in the league, he started a combined 13 games because he was injured because they were so bad. They were bad. So, one, he gets off to a terrible start in his career because Detroit was bad. Then he makes them relevant, okay, Throws for 5,000 yards and 41 touchdowns in the 2011 season. They go to the postseason for the first time in a long time as a franchise. And then that started a string of three, four, five, six, seven straight years where he finished with 4,200 or more passing yards, okay, including four more seasons where the Lions, not the Rams, not the Seahawks, not the Giants, the team, you know, the last 10 years has been bad, but historically good. The Lions, over 500. Matthew Stafford could possibly be in the conversation for Hall of Fame quarterbacks. He could possibly be. And now that he has won a Super Bowl, you can't tell me it's not a conversation. You cannot tell me it's not a conversation whether or not Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer now because he is a Super Bowl champion. My final thought of the day stays with the Los Angeles Rams. And I think watching Aaron Donald on one play single-handedly end the game for the Rams last night, this thought came into my mind. And I'm not saying that he is better than this player. Okay, that's not what I'm saying here at all. What I'm saying is Aaron Donald is the closest player in the history of the time the National Football League has existed to Lawrence Taylor. He is the closest player to Lawrence Taylor. 
Lawrence Taylor was actually a defensive player that could legitimately win you a football game by himself. And I think he actually did do that once. Got to look this up. All my Giants fans out there, write it in at Wide World of Rome on Twitter or the Gram, the Rome Show one on Facebook. Aaron Donald is the closest thing the National Football League has seen to Lawrence Taylor, which is essentially a defensive player that can actually win you the football game by yourself. That is how good you are. That is how good Aaron Donald is. And I would be devastated as a fan of football and sports if he decided to retire after this moment in his career. I get why. I understand you can call it early retirements and stuff like that in football. It's a grueling sport. And when you've accomplished three defensive player of the years, like seven straight Pro Bowls, first team all pros, and now a Super Bowl champion, I could see why you would think about retiring. But Aaron Donald is Lawrence Taylor 2.0. I don't think he is as good as Lawrence Taylor. I don't think Aaron Donald, he's probably one tick under Lawrence Taylor, slightly different position. I get all that stuff. The end of the day, he is the closest thing in football to Lawrence Taylor since Lawrence Taylor. This has been the Rome Show here on 12 on Sports Radio, Zingo TV Channel 761, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter Live. I'm Andrew Romanello. Thank you to Rocky Romanello. Thank you to everybody who wrote in on the Facebook. We appreciate you. If you missed it, any part of it, want to listen to it again, at Wider World of Rome, wherever you listen to your podcast. Peace! Um, thank you for listening.